0: this episode of the better Two podcast is brought to you by kitty mystic and dm needham author of my days with the dark muse as well as love is worth waiting for hi gang donna here thanks for tuning in to the better Two podcast today's guest is melanie mitchell melanie calls herself the accidental entrepreneur she tells us of a story where there was a time in our life when she was working as a recruiter and she decided that she wanted to change a pace. So she decided to help a friend. Well, things didn't work out necessarily as they should have. And she takes us on that journey. So tune in. Hi, Melanie. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me. You're welcome.
0: So we're just going to cut to the chase with your story. (laughs) You. you were working for somebody, a friend, and you were working in staffing and recruiting, which I did do that for a brief time, and that was not a great fit, but <laughs> you were working, and you were doing that, and somehow this were, this relationship with a friend, I know it ended up suffering, but how did you end up really realizing that this isn't what I want to do?
1: So yeah, I was a recruiter for 20 years. And in 2016, lots of stuff was happening with the company. I, I made a decision to leave. I was going to put myself in the job market. And I wanted to take a little bit of a break because I needed to like just refresh and figure out like what what do I want to do. So I went to go work for a friend. And at the time, he had two businesses and I was going to help really run from an operational standpoint, one of those businesses and so that he could focus on something else. And then, um, as things like progressed, uh, things were just rapidly changing. And all of a sudden he's like, no, I'm going to get rid of this, this business that I am supposed to be running. And I want you to help me run this other business, which financially wasn't stable. Now in the middle of that, I should have just said, no, that's not, what's for me, you know, (laughs) logically in that moment, I didn't. Um, And that ended up just kind of spiraling. And then then there, you know, almost halfway through the year, I just kind of woke up and, you know, out of my fog and I was like taking stock of what was happening in my life. And I said, wait a minute, I'm pursuing this man's dreams. What are mine? And (laughs) realizing, I didn't know what those were <laughs> and, right. you know, like it just, you know, I don't know. There wasn't any, you know, there was a l- little bit of signs things were starting to like go South and, you know, as you, of course, they just add up, you know, they're little in the beginning and then they become this mountain by the time, you know, it all comes to fruition. And so I started, you know, I started like, okay, I'm going to go look for my own job. That started to fracture, you know, anything that had to do with me, fractured our relationship and that's when I just was like are you really my friend you know like are you really there to support me or you know the fact that you can't understand that what I need you know um, emotionally but financially that was a big piece (laughs) Uh, and that you can't support that unless I'm supporting you 100% and sacrificing everything uh, in my life so Yeah. It was little things that added up into becoming the mountain that it was.
0: So there really wasn't a lot of give and take. It was all mainly take.
1: Uh, It was definitely take. Um, He once, somebody asked him once, like, what do you do for Melanie? Like, what do you, you know, like you're out here trying to do all this, all these things, but are you checking in on Melanie? And um, you know, he, he's a narcissist. Um, I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that because he's a narcissist and he made a really, this was one of those awakening moments where he made a comparison of the Forrest Gump movie where Forrest is in the war and he's running in and he's going in and he's pulling all the bodies out and he's running back and forth. And Oh, it's Melanie's job to take care of all the stuff that's over here. (laughs) <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and um so then I, I literally sat with that and that's always lasted with me. That's always lasted. And I think those are the things that, you know, when they last with you, they make sure that you never forget it. So you never go back to it. And you know, here I am, I'm I'm you know, I'm picking up all the pieces, but nobody's here picking up what's happening in my life, you know, sure. nobody's taking care of, you know, nobody's stopping and saying, Are you okay? And so, you know, when he made that analogy, that was, um, that was definitely, that may have been that moment where, um, now that I talk about it a little bit more out loud, that it was like, oh, that went south. That's, this is going south.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I think sometimes going, you know, talking about things out loud helps us reframe things. You know, if we don't reframe it, we, we keep it tucked away at how we think it the perception is. And sometimes as we get further removed from that event, we can look at it through different lenses and say, okay, my perception here was a little clouded, but it wasn't totally, or I was way off base or I was right on track. You know, and they always say hindsight's 2020, you know, yeah. we can always <laughs> see things much clearer than when we're going through it. But the thing is those tests make us who we are.
1: Absolutely. And you know, and at the end of the day, and people say like, you know, you must you know, do you, do you hate him? Do you, I don't have a relationship with him anymore. Um, but, you know, I made a very strategic decision to remove people that were toxic in my life. And I own the fact that I stayed, you know, and I, I allowed, you know, to a certain degree, I allowed, you know, things to happen and I had to take ownership of my responsibility, but also why, that was in me to stay in a situation like that, you know, and really try to, um, dive into that of like, what is it within my own self that didn't make me, you know, what is it that forces me to be in like really bad situations until I speak up and and until like, you know, so I really own that aspect of like how I got there. Um, but then I also fully own how I got out of
0: it. (laughs) So, and that's the thing. Most people don't want to confront. If you're in victim mentality, you don't want to confront yeah. why you're there. You want to wallow. You want to stay stuck. And it's not that you really want to stay stuck. It's just, you're familiar with it. You're comfortable with it. So yeah. it's much easier to stay. Absolutely. Make the changes. Because no one really wants to sit there and look in the mirror and go, oh, look at that gnarly beast that's there. <laughs> yes.
1: You know, it, and it definitely was hard. I mean, I went through a complete and total life transformation. Um, this was back in 2017 and everything in my life really upended because I had. Oh, sorry about that. That's OK. Yeah. Uh, I had turned off my calls, but, um, (laughs) so, um, but yeah, so no, but I really went through a whole life transformation. I went through a light where financially, um, my careers, my friendships, relationships all exploded in one moment. And, you know, and it didn't happen overnight. It was accumulation of many things and, you know, and it, it, I hit a rock bottom and I think sometimes though, you can't start to really analyze and really take, you know, you can't step away from yourself and look at yourself until you hit that rock bottom. And it is scary and it wasn't pretty. Um, But also knowing then who were those cheerleaders that were really going to support me, that were going to lift me up, even when I was that gnarly beast and I'm, you know, not, not a pretty sight.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. And I mean, that's, that's, You find out at that moment who your, your true supporters are and your true friends.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, and I was very conscious of tightening that circle. So it wasn't just, you know, every, you know, it wasn't this large group of friends that I didn't really need that large group of friends. I just needed, you know, a handful of people that were going to, that were true, that, you know, that they walked the talk that they spoke and, you know, that they really were, that they were going to be there for me in the good and the bad.
0: I think that's something that we we miss teaching kids and miss learning as kids because we're all, we're all striving to be part of the popular crowd. We all want that large group of friends, but the truth of the matter is that large group of friends really is not truly your friends. I mean, we see it with social media now, but the fact is you have a core group of friends that are not your yes-men. They're not going to sit there and go at a boy all the time. They're going to turn around and look at you and t- point out your flaws. They're going to point out your truths. They're going to cheerlead you on. But they're also going to have your back when you're down. Yeah. And they're also going to be your truth teller. Because there's so, I mean, you can be surrounded by a ton of people. But if they're always telling you yes or what you want to hear because they think they're going to get something from you, then they're not really your friend.
1: No. And, and oftentimes too, like, you know, it was just an interesting experience having, you know, going through this later in um, adulthood and, you know, really, you know, because everything else had been very, you know, I I had been on a very consistent career track. I, you know, and it got by one person, you know, very much derailed from where I had been. Um, Now there's some great things that came from that. And so, for that, I am appreciative, um, you know, because for whatever reasons, we do go on the journeys that we do. And, you know, so sometimes it's good to, you know, also in a sense be grateful that I did go on that journey, but also I had to learn to forgive myself first and foremost and forgive myself for making mistakes that logically I knew. You know, again, hindsight's. You know, I mean, we'd all be re- rich if we had. You, know, true. If, very if we, true. you very know, Very true. if hindsight paid, we'd all be millionaires. So very true. Um, you know, so but you know, forgiving myself was also a big component of that, and um, allowing myself that forgiveness for making mistakes and knowing that it was gonna and that it would be okay.
0: That is the very, that's one of the hardest lessons any of us need to learn is to forgive ourselves because we hold ourselves, you know, no matter what critics on the outside world say to you, you internally, maybe not let the world know, but internally you hold yourself to a much higher standard than everybody else.
1: Absolutely. And I am my worst critic and I am, you know, and I do hold myself if I can't achieve, you know, if I feel like I've let myself down, then I will carry that weight. Um, I'll carry that weight for a long time. (laughs) So, um, you know, until it just gets too heavy to carry anymore. So yeah, uh, forgiving myself was a big um, crucial factor of just moving on and being able to reframe where I wanted my own life to go.
0: So when you left, did you this job that he had you doing, was it still part of staffing and recruiting or was it something totally? No, it
1: was totally different. It was, um, he had a, a, a social media marketing firm and then also he was running a nonprofit. So um, which I have some nonprofit experience um, having that's where actually I got my career started was a nonprofit and doing special events and fundraising. And so staffing was actually kind of a whole new thing for me that I built this career. Um, when I really, I, you know, my first job, I had no experience in it. And I honestly was like, I'll take that job. And if it doesn't work out, I'll, you know, I'll look for something else. So it was, you know, over 20 years ago. So, um,
0: no, <laughs> you know, I, I get it. I get it. You know,
1: when you're, when you're younger and, you know, you're like, hey, I can get something else. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. but, um, yeah, so it was totally, it was different in a lot of ways, but it, you know, at the end of the day, it was also supposed to use my strengths because I had been running a million dollar branch prior. Um, you know, I was responding, you know, from an operational standpoint, I was responsible for staffing, you know, my own staff, my own budget, my own forecasting. So, you know, I had all of that experience, but um, you know, I learned, you know, but it, it really, you have to be very wise in terms of who you decide to partner with, whether it's family or close friends and, you make sure that you t- you can actually have a reciprocal working relationship. It can't constantly be, you know, you can't just be the one that gives constantly and then, you know, the other person just constantly takes.
0: And, and another thing people need to be aware of too is, okay, so you're joining a startup company. That's awesome. That's great. But you have to be careful. I remember when I first moved up here, one of the, well, it was the second time I moved up here. The first job I took was for a staffing company. They were oh. going to teach people how to train their telemarketers and pick and help for phone sales. So I have very little background in this. I have a background <laughs> in this communication. So I get the job, but it was me doing the cold calling and going out to interview these people. I don't have, you know, I, I, I interviewed people at Chuck E. Cheese when I was a man, assistant manager. <laughs> this does not qualify me. I worked as a telemarketer one time in my life. This does not make me a qualified candidate, but they were hungry. I needed a job, so here we go. So I go out to these companies and I I I would I would you know interview people and that was fine. And then this is where it gets really weird. So I'm in the office and I'm looking through lists and everything, and the landlord comes in and knocks on the door, you know, he knocks on the door and he comes in. And I'm like, yes, and he goes yeah um tell your boss if i don't have the rent check by the end of the week i'm going to close the office i'm going to kick you guys out okay so you know panic is there but i'm not i'm fine and i had gone to this one company two or three times already so my boss comes back and i tell my boss you know what the landlord said and so he's like well you need to go to this company in the city i'm like okay fine so i had already been there twice we had never found a candidate they liked. So I interviewed people and this one guy, it's a sales job. This one guy comes in with plaques, trophies and everything else. And I'm just like, who brings all this to an interview? <laughs> but anyway, long story short. So I wrap up the interview and the guy who I'm has hired this company looks at me and goes, so, you know, out of all the candidates that you presented with, with me, I'm like, yeah, yes. How about you? I'm like, excuse me? He goes, how about you? How would you like to do an inside sales job? I'm like, okay. So I'm like, I have to give two weeks notice, blah, blah, blah. I went back. They fired me on the spot. (laughs) Yeah. And so I started the next day. I don't know what happened with the telemarketing company, but my whole point is there was so, so much insecurity with the telemarketing staffing company that it's like, if you know, that's going on, you need to find a way out. Yeah. Yeah. And And, fortunately, I was presented with one.
1: No. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that when I started seeing writing on the wall of finances and just some things that were happening that should not have been happening, um, you know, I started looking for another job. And truthfully, I landed a job fairly quickly. And that's, you know, when a lot of that tension happened of um, like, you know, how dare you leave me? How dare, you know, like it was like you betrayed me. Mm -hmm. Like, But again, it wasn't like, but I need money. Like I, you know, right. like it, it's, you know, like I need, you know, I'm a single mom. I, I have a teenage daughter at home, you know, like I need to be response, you know, like I have to be a responsible adult and um, you know, and there's things of course, you know, that from learning, taking that opportunity and uh, going through that process, but it was getting me back into a space that I was, you know, definitely it was, it was back into recruiting and staffing and, um, but also from that standpoint, when somebody doesn't understand your moat, you know, your reasons for making certain decisions when it should be pretty evident, you know, it's like, hmm, like now, like now that was a time where it's all becoming crystal clear and, you know, putting those uh, wheels in motion and really just making that happen um, was, you know, the start of, you know, the really the big start of it because I was like, Mm, I don't know. Like I would be, you know, I maybe would be sad or, you know, I could definitely say disappointed if I was, that she was on the other foot, but I'm not sure that I would just be angry. <laughs> I'm not even right. sure that I could get, you know, cause I've had staff leave me before. Of course I'm, you know, there's always times that you're disappointed when, you know, certain people leave and things, but you know, I've never been angry about it.
0: <laughs> no. And I mean, you know, same thing with the position I was in. It's like, look, I have rent to pay. I'm, I'm splitting a place with a friend, but I still have certain necessities I have to meet. And you know, when the landlord is knocking on the door, telling you that the office (laughs) may close, you just don't get a warm fuzzy. And I mean, when I told them, I said, well, I have another, you know, I was offered this job. They were just livid with me. And I'm like, you know, you haven't been able to give these people a candidate that they really wanted. You guys brought these people in. I interviewed them. They weren't happy. What was I supposed to do?
1: Right. You know, it's like, and at some point, too, other people have to, tar- you know, you do. And that's part of also taking away the, the pressure on yourself is like mm-hmm. so other people have to own their responsibility in that, you know, in any type of relationship, whether it's career, you know, um, personal friendships, whatever it is, there's two parties. And each party has responsibilities to that relationship. And if one is not, you know, holding up their end you know, then it's okay to say, okay, this isn't for me. I need to get out of this.
0: I think one of the biggest things that I had a guest on, wow. Okay. I think season one, this will be season five or season six. I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, But I had a guest on that talked about expectations and the truth of the matter is we, we don't have that conversation. We're not taught to verbalize our expectations. We're taught taught, especially as women and as kids when we're kids that you need to sit down and be quiet. You're not supposed to have a voice. And so we don't know how to communicate our expectations. And, and you know, people will go, well, that's just in the bedroom. No, this is real life all the time across the board. Yeah. Even with Even with girlfriends, you don't know how to talk, talk to each other about the expectations of what you think is, should be in that relationship.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, and it's one of those things that I think we're, because we don't choose to have those conversations or we don't know how to even, even, we're afraid to, because it is scary. It's, you know, especially like with girlfriends, you know um, when you have those, you know, it's a scary thing. Cause you think like, Oh my gosh, am I being like too, am I asking for too much? Or, you know, so now we have this, this way about ourselves where we honestly just run and disappear um, and you know, we don't address it with that person and, you know, instead of just having on you know, an honest conversation, but yeah, like if you feel like, you know, there's always going to be a give and take, I mean, there's, you know, I'm a natural giver, that's just like kind of inherent of who I am. You know, I, I call it, you know, I'm a cancer. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we're nurturers. <laughs> and mm-hmm. if you want to believe in
0: the, so
1: you know, so I'm a nurturer. I'm that like, that is, you know, it's definitely who I am. Um, but you know, so there's, a, I'm always probably going to be more of a giver, um, to, you know, a large degree, but at the end of the day, if I feel like, you know, is there some, equal, you know, equal here, you know, if we have two bottles or are they, are they staying level and it's okay if they shift up, you know, my best friend and I, you know, we joke like, um, cause I, you know, we both suffer from anxiety and like sometimes right now she's studying for a PMP exam. She's got all these things going on and, you know, I'm pretty good right now. So I'm like, as long as one of us is you know, yeah. up and the other one is down, I said, we're okay. It's when, if one of us were both down at the same time, I said, the world's in trouble. So
0: <laughs> yeah, my, my husband and I used to have a, a blue panda that if one of us wasn't in the mood to talk or whatever, and we're kind of down the blue tan, the blue panda went on the kitchen table yeah. <laughs> and that was just, okay, I know we're just gonna, we'll, we'll just be chill today. You know, when you were describing the, you know, ex- there's two things. The Ace of Wands in my tarot deck is basically your whole thing about how things started building up because it builds up just nice and low and then gets bigger and bigger and then blows up. So yeah. your whole situation, I was going to say that earlier, but I'm like, I don't know if she, she would subscribe <laughs> to that, so I didn't. Um, but the thing about expectations is the, pro- the, the other problem with that conversation is if you wait to talk to somebody about the expectations because your expectations aren't being met, they're going to blow up. It's not about 75% of the time they're not going to, and they're not going to take onus that, Hey, maybe I was wrong. I had this happen last summer. Uh, A person and I got into it and she went after me and I just backed off. I just let it go. Her and I are no longer friends, but here's the thing. I'm willing now to look back and say, okay, it was my expectations. It was my fault because my expectations were be weren't being met. how, ever the outburst that followed which was uncalled for is on her right so therefore there's an impasse and there's no going back there but i'm willing to take ownership and that's the thing you have to be willing to take if you you broach that subject and it's not received well then that's on you because you verbalize your expectations and that's okay but if you start verbalizing your expectations earlier you might not get into these traps
1: yeah, definitely. And I think you have to give, you know, and again, give yourself permission to have those conversations. It doesn't have to be, you know, like I think about, you know, it's funny because my best friend and I, we've never had an expectations conversation, but we do talk about things about like, you know, like I feel like I'm dumping too much on you and it's like, no, it's, okay, you know, like we, we have these, these open conversations of like, I'm, you know, like, oh, I'm sorry, I haven't asked how you're doing. You know, I dumped on, you know, I I sent you a text and I just dumped on you and wait a minute, I didn't ask how you were doing. Are you okay? You know, like, I'm going to check in on you right now. Are you doing okay? And so, you know, we have those moments where we, you know, we are able to take that step back and that's what makes our friendship work. You know, that's when, um, because we're able to say like, no, it's okay. It's like, I'm good. Or, hey, I'm right now in this space and I can't deal, you know, I've got this going on. Can we, you know, talk about this later? So we have that, you know, we have that ability to have those conversations with one another, and I think it is so important because you really have to, but you have to give yourself permission to say, "I need to have that." Like it's okay to ask for things that you need in a relationship of any kind, um, especially if they're not, if your expectations are not being met, um, and you're, you haven't been clear though on what that is you know, but it's also like working with a boss, you know, they says, go do this project. And, you know, they, you present something, and go, well, I'm not happy with what you did. Well, did you, you know, did you, yeah. were the expectations set?
0: <laughs> I, I had an, um, I had a freshman art teacher who, her and I had a personality conflict, but she would sit there and she'd come around to everybody's still life. And she'd be like, Oh, well, that's not right. So she comes around, draws mine, you know, comes over and says, that's not right. And she sketches, So I go back, redraw about the sixth time, fifth or sixth time. I just, I look at her because she's done this with everybody and me being me (laughs) and being a freshman in high school, she draws it. And I just said, okay, let's see this. So I I traced over everything she drew, everything. She comes back and she looks at me and she goes, that's not right. Okay. Yes, I should not have said it, but I did. I'm like, well, you drew it. I just traced (laughs) over it and she, I failed art. Not only because of that, her and I, she tried to bribe me to bring in belt or Chinese belt or Chinese peppers for her cooking class. And my mom's (laughs) like, no, you're not. So I failed art. But anyway, it's not that I couldn't draw. It was just, she had an attitude with me and I had one right back and there was no way those expectations were ever going to be met right? just by the, the description that still life no matter what I drew and, and art is subjective art is through the right. <laughs> eyes of the beholder. So, I mean, I know there's certain forms and everything, but it's still never going to be exactly like everybody else's you're going to put 20 artists in the room. They're not going to paint the exact same picture. So my expectations were never going to be met her expectations were never going to be met. So there was no win. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I've but never understood. I've never understood my daughter had a similar where I think it was her eighth grade art class. So like her art teacher was like, like and she's actually she has creative talent um Mm. and i don't even remember what it was but she just said like the art teacher was like basically this isn't good art and my daughter is like according to who and the teacher was like well me i'm your teacher and she's like but who are you (laughs) my daughter has always been a very um mm -hmm. my daughter came out um born just um (laughs) determining her own she was three months. She was still, well, she was born early and no matter what, she still, they tried to stop it for three months and she still came early. So she's always been that she's always been that little personality where she literally is like, and who are you?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, and for like me, because I was at an all girl Catholic school at the time because I flunked art, I couldn't take any more art classes. So then when we, when we moved to a different city and I went to a different school my art teacher, I was his, one of his pets. He loved my work. My, and I took art my senior year and I was member of the art club. So it was just like, because this one woman decided that she didn't like me, she stifled everything. Yep. And, and is that right? And I think since we're talking about school, we need to have a class that talks about our mental health, that talks about expectations, that talks about yep. relationships. Because- whether it be your boss who's going to sit there and say, well, I don't like that project, or the teacher that's going to be like, well, that's not quality work. You need to know that, you know, sometimes you're never going to meet somebody else's expectations because their expectations are not realistic.
1: Absolutely. And we do need to have, like, these are the conversations that we shoot, you know. It's great we're having them as adults, but the fact is, what would how much better had, would things have been or easier had we had these, you know, as kids and understanding that, you know, as women in particular, that you can have, you know, you can have a voice, you can have an opinion. um, You don't have to just accept what you're told to do and how to do it, you know, And, and to, and that, you know, sometimes, no, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna be everybody's cup of tea and that, you know, that's not gonna be a win-win, you know, like there's no win in that situation, no matter what you did, you were never going to win that woman over. Right. You know? And so, you know, and the same goes though, for our relationships now is like, sometimes you're just going to hit an impasse Mm -hmm. and you have to be able to say, Okay, this is one of those times that no matter how much I'm trying or what I'm doing, this isn't working, and I need to step back and I need to step away, yeah. and you know, and and be okay with it and be okay with that, um, because as also as women, we try to fix things. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. We're gonna fix it. <laughs> yeah. Make it all better.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, it's like we 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 work hard. We try to make this person better, we try to appease this person, we try to, you know, we try to fix things, like you said. I mean, I talk about, I've talked about in the past, my husband was legally blind, so he could still see, but he couldn't see out of one eye completely, and he had very poor vision in the other, and he couldn't see lasers, but yet my husband wanted a chop-cut miter saw because he had this plan to redo the pantry. Now, I know most likely people are like, why would you let a blind guy fool the saw? <laughs> Well, here's the truth of the matter. He never used it. It's brand new. It's sitting in the garage. And I will sell it eventually. But it's just one of those things where it's like, I did it when he's like, can we get it? It was kind of like, okay, to appease him, the part that wants to please, that we're taught that as women we're supposed to please, um, said, okay, you can get it. I figured most likely I would have ended up cutting because he wouldn't have done it, but it was all about pleasing him. Yep. And And, you, you know, and it's okay to do that
1: every so often, but it's when you develop the cycle of that's all you do.
0: Well, for him at the time he was terminally ill. So, you know, at that point when you're, when you're dealing with somebody terminally ill, that's a whole nother set of expectations that you don't even realize you're doing until you're that part is over and then you're unpacking going wait a second i've been living in anxiety and fear and and people pleasing for x number of years and i didn't even realize it
1: oh yes i had my my mom was permanently ill and we lost her last in december of um 2020 um and so um and then prior to that we had lost the year before we lost my dad so we went through Mm, all this you know so this Mm -hmm. this um, and as the daughter, it, I, you know, this is a whole other conversation. Oh yeah, I know. no, no, I lost uh, my mom. I understand. Questions. You know, but it's like one of those things where, um, you know, I think I didn't. It's funny because I did the opposite with my mom. I didn't necessarily want to please her by giving her everything. I like wanted to push her because I wanted her to be better. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I was like, no, I want my mom. That is the you know you know, it took me a while to like say this is who she is right now. And maybe sometimes she just wants her sonic slushy. And even though she shouldn't have the sugar and it's like, you know, like sometimes I just needed to say, okay, let me go get your, she had a very special order that nobody. (laughs) I
0: mean, when my, when my grandma moved up here after Katrina, you know, she was 75 and she had been living a very modest life. And it was like, okay, I know she's diabetic and I know she really needs to watch what she has in the same token. I also knew quality over quantity. She couldn't see, you know, I could put on a wrestling video game. She thought she was watching a wrestling match. That's how poor her <laughs> vision was. So I tried to make the best and, in, you know, she wanted a strawberry milkshake. It's like, well, so we, we started with the insurer, but then there was, you know, one day it's like for her birthday, it's like, well, I'm going to go get you a strawberry Frappuccino. She had never had one before. It was like, It was a great treat for her. So sometimes, especially when you're dealing with the the fact that these may be their last days and you know that, which is the hardest thing in the world to deal with. Yeah. You, you kind of say, okay, quality versus quantity. Do you want them to enjoy, or do you want them to be eating gruel and miserable? Right. I mean, and you have to look at, you have to turn around, look back at your own self and go, how do I want to live my last days?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was a that was definitely a teaching moment for me, just because I took I would fly back and forth from Maryland to Missouri and help take care of her for like a month at an end, and then like we had friends and family and things like that that were helping, and um, you know, and as the and as the perpetual kid, um, you know, I wanted I wanted my mom just to be the mom that I knew, you know, yeah. and so it took a, it took a long time for me to kind of get to that point of where not just to fight it, you know, not to, you know, and of course we also, you know, but then I'd have to deal with things like, Oh, I want to go to Walmart. Like she'd want to go to Walmart every day. And this was during COVID. And so no. I'm like, mom, you can't go to, like, we can't, like, I don't want to go to Walmart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> I don't want to go to Walmart and I'm not getting COVID. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, you're not going to Walmart. Like we don't need to go to Walmart every day, mom. Um, you know? So it's just like, you know, fight, you know, we, we would argue over, like, you know, and of course, now again, hindsight, you know, I'm like, those are all silly, stupid things and um, didn't really matter in the big picture of life. And, you know, and again, it's like, okay, if she wants to go to Walmart, okay, let's just buck it up and
0: get yeah, yeah, peas and, yeah, and,
1: and go back to the being that, you know, but yeah, you have to, you know, it's a pick and choose kind of thing, it's assessing it. and, um, being able to, you know, sometimes it's good to take a step back and remove yourself from situations and just look at it and go, okay, what am I doing? Where am I at? And what am I doing? And how, you know, is this good for me? Is it good for the other person, you know, and take stock of things?
0: My, it's funny because right before I started this, my stepsister emailed me or texted me a picture of my dad and her. And it's like, guess I haven't seen my dad in a while. And it's like, wow. Yeah. My dad is starting to look old, you know? And and it's weird because you don't think about it. It's like, you can still go back in time and think about when you were 20 and it's like, well, wait a second. And I remember when him, and like you're saying, I want my mom being younger. I want her being, you know, healthy. And it just, it's like all of a sudden this switch flips and you're starting to see them in a different light. Yeah.
1: It is. It's a, it's a hard transition as a kid, you know, I mean, I'm going to be 49 in July and, um, you know, I mean, I'm still like, Oh, I'm the kid and (laughs) I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm her oldest and I'm still the kid, you know, and, um, you know, like, you know, so it is hard. It's hard to, it's a hard transition. Um, when you start seeing that, um, your parents transitioning, um, you know, as they get older and not able to do the things that they were once able to do. And they're like, oh, wait a minute, you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's life and we have mm-hmm. to deal with it. <laughs> There's not a lot of other options there, but
0: for me, it was kind of strokes. Cause my mom died when I was 22 or 23. Um, and when she died, it's like, okay, that went through the whole trauma and losing somebody when you're younger. It's, there was a whole thing to unpack there so I didn't watch her age I didn't and it's like when I hit 41 because I was her age it was kind of like okay so I'm the same age as her when I hit 42 I'm like I outlived her but then I watched my grandmother age so it was like even though I didn't have my mom to watch right and and the thing I regret the most and this is going to sound bad I guess is I didn't look at my mom's health history. I was too young. I didn't think, hey, you really want to write down what's, what she had, because that way it's all documented for you because, gene, you know, your genes, it's in your DNA. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think about those things. You're just like, okay. You
1: don't yeah. No, you don't. I mean, it's, you know, I was very fortunate. I came from a, you know, my mom's side of the family, like all the women, my great aunt lived to be a hundred, my grandmother Mm -hmm. lived to be 99. So I, death for me prior to these last couple of years was always kind of, you know, it was always, I, I rationalized it because they were so, they were, had, had so much in their life that I was like, it's okay because they'd reached this pinnacle of yeah. sorts. And so that, you know, so I, I didn't really have to deal with death in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, but then, you know, losing my father, my, he's my, he was my stepfather, but he was much older than my mom. You know, we knew that that day would come, but he was so much like, nobody would have ever known his age. Nobody ever, you know, guessed his age, right. You know, he was always active. So seeing that happen, you know, and then it like hit, Back to back with my mom. And my mom was only 67. So I've had that same thought. I've like literally like, oh, I'm gonna be 49. Like, how old will my kids be when I'm 67? Like, you know, like yeah. <laughs> you know, like I've I've done this math and you know, I've thought about this and okay, what's what, what what you know, and of course, I don't know what life holds, but yeah, you know, and then of course I went on the whole you know, medical journey of like, okay, I have to get the colonoscopy. I have to do you know, I have to do all these yeah. things. And um, you know, whereas my sister is the opposite where she hasn't done all these, and, you know, and I'm like, nope, gotta get the appointment. It's the whole la, la, la. <laughs>
0: right. right and I'm
1: like, I'm just dealing with it now. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you know, when you think back, and I'm sure you remember this, your aunts, your your mom with her friends or whatever, and they're all talking about their health issues, and you're just sitting there going, don't you have something better to talk about? (laughs) And then now you're like, wait a second, you're having a conversation with your friends about health, and it's like, oh. Oh, I, I know. I well, my
1: shoulder was acting up yesterday, and I was telling my best friend. I was like, I was like, I did work out, and she's like, Well, what did you do? And I was like, I did shoulder presses. She's like, Well, that's why your shoulder hurts, you idiot. And I'm like, Yeah, you're. I'm so, like, I don't know. This feels worse.
0: <laughs> somehow, that connection that we are no longer in our 20s does right. not compute. It's like I remember my father-in-law wanted to move. He was giving us a table. And we're like, okay, well, we'll come pick it up. And he had keys to the house at the time. And we come in and the table and chairs is there, is in the living room where, you know, we can move it wherever. The man was in his 80s. By himself, he moved the table and the chairs. <laughs> I'm like, is your dad trying to check out? Because that's a heart attack waiting to happen. Right, yeah. yeah. And I mean, he he even told us, he got up on the roof of his house. He had a single story house, a ranch. And he got up on the roof and he forgot how to get down. It took him a while to remember how to get down because it just wasn't there. And it's not that he knew that it wasn't that he couldn't use a ladder. It was just, there was the intimidation fear factor that brought in. Yeah. And well, you know,
1: I mean, fear is the other big factor that, you know, oftentimes why we choose not to do things or, um, you know, or if you are fearless, um, you maybe do too many crazy things and then have the other aspect of regret. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, I think when, you know, life throws you curveballs, and, you know, um, you know, definitely losing my mom was one of those things that, you know, it puts a lot of things in perspective and it's just, um, you know, I don't tend to get as stressed out about certain things as much anymore. Um, you know, they still Peek up but for the most part you know i just kind of take it in, i take things more in stride
0: because i'm just sense.
1: like you know hey we don't really know how much you know time we all have on this planet so you know i've got to choose how i'm gonna you know what what is the energy i'm gonna expend on certain people and things so
0: right so you call yourself the accidental entrepreneur, which is way off topic. <laughs> We're just talking about it. So let's switch gears. And why do you do? Why do you call yourself that? You
1: know, it goes back to that first story back in 2017. So I was taking a coaching course at the time. I really honestly, I wasn't going to become a career coach. I, that wasn't my intention. Um, uh, I, I took it and I was like, oh, we'll see. You know, like I didn't want, I wasn't even going to use it. I don't, you know, if um, I was offered to the course and I was like, sure, I'll take it. Um and so I took it and then you know I was still working I was still working in recruiting um and but because of the financial situation I had been in I s- was in desperate need of money I mean I, I there's nothing like glamorous about like oh how you know like some inspirational moment I I literally was like okay I know I could do somebody's resume so why not use this as a way to earn some extra cash and s- seriously just started as just writing resumes, helping people with their resumes. That was all it was ever going to be. Like I didn't have this like plan of like this vision of like, oh, I'm going to have this company or I'm going to have my own practice and I'm going to do all these amazing things, Mm -hmm. (laughs) nothing like that. Um, And then it just slowly started to grow. And then I had a client that said, well, could you help me, you know, prepare me for the interview? And I said, sure, because that's something I actually loved doing when I was a recruiter. Um, and I said, okay. And they're like, how much do you charge? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, Yeah, That's that's always
0: the question. When somebody said, how much do you charge to do that? I don't know. know. I'm like,
1: um, I don't know. Um, and so then it started from that and then it just slowly started to grow. And then by 2018, by June of 2018, I was doing, I had already been doing it full-time I was working full-time for a company in DC, uh, handling all their corporate recruiting. and then I was doing this literally. it was in any break I had, I'd get home, I would work on that. and it just grew and created this ability for me to do it full time that by that summer and within a year basically yeah, pretty much within a year. so and then that's where that came from. And so now I'm on this entrepreneurial, journey that i was not (laughs) i had no intention of ever being on (laughs) like that was not the plan so you know which is it's taught me a lot of lessons and you know it's 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 you know there's there's good and there's bad but that's with anything that you do in life and um so yeah that's why i call myself the accidental entrepreneur because i it was completely by accident it was not intended
0: Sometimes the best things in life happen that
1: way. Yep. You know, I just, I I did something because I knew I could, you know, I used the skill set I had and I could earn extra cash. And, you know, I took that and it just slowly grew and people started recommending me to others. And, um, you know, and I was really self-taught. I tell people all the time because of the financial situation I was in. I didn't even have, like some people say, oh, I worked on a shoestring budget. I'm like, I didn't even have a shoestring. Okay. (laughs) I mean, like, one investment on in myself that was like um it wasn't even really substantial but at the time it was substantial to me and you know and it paid off and i was like okay i can you know like that paid off already like i can you know i can do this and so i've always been kind of scrappy in that sense um you know when it's come to my career and um you know i was always kind of a scrappy kid anyway so you know that that part of it is finally paid off being the scrappy kid.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's the thing is sometimes you have to keep pushing. You can't just give up. Yeah. Well, and I couldn't, I
1: have, you know, I had my, you know, my daughter, she's 19 now and you know, she was living with me at the time and um, you know, like I couldn't give up. I couldn't, right. you know, I couldn't you know back then I couldn't lay in bed all day even though that's what I wanted to do I was really I had hit a really high level depression and lack confidence in myself and um, you know but I had to get her to school I had to get her to field hockey practice or theater or whatever she had going on you know she still relied on me and um, you know she still needed a mom and so I couldn't give up and you know I couldn't just throw in the towel and say okay this is you know this is my life. And, you know, something just, you know, she was definitely the motivator to continue to push me. Um, but also just rediscovering like that I could still, you know, that I still could, that I still had abilities, that people that I could still go out and not just create a business for myself, but also I, you know, still went out and got, jo- you know, a, a new job, um, you know, and was able to do all of that on my own. And so that I could still have that because I, there came a time where I just didn't believe in myself anymore.
0: And that happens to a lot of us. I mean, especially as we get older and if we've lost a job or any kind of major life change, it's like we have to rediscover who we are. Yeah.
1: And I really didn't know. I mean, I had lost, um, I had poured so much into that relationship um, that I really had lost a sense of who I was and what I wanted. I didn't know what I wanted. You know, like uh, I had I had goals, but I wasn't really working towards them. And you know, now I'm very clear about the things that I want in my life and the things that I want to try to achieve and 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 working towards those and getting an understanding of what I need to do to how to achieve them.
0: And you know, right now, with everything being so uncertain. It's good to actually still be able to focus on your goals because everything yeah. else in the world seems like it's crazy right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's so much happening in this world right now and, you know, sometimes it's just you you sometimes again, you have to take that step back sometimes and just say, "Okay, where what do I need in this situation? What can I do? How can I, you know, I mean, even how can I help and how can I, you know, what what do I what good can I put out in the world?" You know, and even if it may not touch a person, you know, in another country or somewhere, you know, what good can I do just to put it out in the world and, you know, to give back a little bit and to encourage somebody, you know, because you just don't know what's happening on, you know, the flip side, which is why I'm, I, I try to be very transparent. I'm transparent with my clients about like what my journey was like, hey, this isn't, you know, I am not the glossy instagram you know like life of an entrepreneur living the life you know I'm like no this is real this is you know this is where i've come from this is my struggles and you know and i'm you know even for five years now um you know still slowly rebuilding a life and of what that what i want it to look like now though so but i'm in charge of that
0: yeah yeah well I'm glad that you found your way. I mean, it's important that you found your way and it's important that you've shown your daughter that you can pick yourself up and keep going. Yeah.
1: I mean, I always say I'm the luckiest mom. Um, you know, I have a, uh, she has an older brother and, you know, of course her, but I'm just, I'm the luckiest mom that I like got like two humans that, um, uh, they would probably tell you they're raising me at this point. But <laughs> they're very old souls. Um, and so, um but yeah, I was given to human beings that I could that we could that I knew I could raise. So, um and you know, in many ways, they do raise me. <laughs> so, um but yeah, i was I was given to extraordinary. Uh, human beings in my life and um you know for that I'm ever grateful and you know they'll you know it doesn't matter how old they get they'll always be my the reasons why I get up and do the things I do so
0: makes sense so is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to cover
1: I mean we've covered a lot
0: <laughs> covered usually that. do usually do yeah we,
1: we dove into some things I wasn't expecting so no I mean I'm you know I, you know, the thing I always tell people is just, you know, don't be afraid to have a voice to, to speak up for yourself and to, you know, to pursue, to pursue your dreams and your pursue your goals. That's, you know, that's the kind of my biggest thing that I tell people all the time. So.
0: Okay. Well, thank you, Melanie, for coming on the show. Thank you for
1: having me. I greatly appreciate it.
0: As always, Millie and I had a conversation that went from her job to family to health to aging. And I think it's all things that we have talked about before, but it's a different perspective as always. I think sometimes when we think about our parents, we think about them as youngsters. We don't think about them as getting older. But the truth is we're getting older just like they are. And if you're fortunate enough to still have them, then you should take some time with them when you can. And I think that we also don't take and look at our own expectations when we're dealing with a relationship. And that's something that all of us need to do. We need to, I don't want to, I'm not saying, you know, because I had a conversation before on the show about, you know, spontaneity in a relationship, but I think we do need to talk about our expectations and what we hope to get from this. If we're open and lay all our cards on the table, and yes, you have to hope that the other person is being truthful with you. If you're laying all the cards on the table, then people will know what you're expecting. People will understand that this is how I want this relationship to go. Now, it's not going to be cookie cutter. It's not going to be perfect. But at least they know where this is going. And that can take a little bit of pressure off because if somebody sees you you know I remember here's a good example somebody I knew once talked we, we both like the same guy um and she would say I would never want him to see me without makeup I will go to bed before he does with full makeup on I'll get up take it off and then in the morning I'll get up before he doesn't put it back on and I thought why would you do that if you really love this person and they love you they need to see the real you so when you're looking at expectations and this kind of happens when we're dating we put on this facade that oh i'm such i don't want to eat i don't want to do this but the whole fact is if we want to be in a relationship with somebody we have to show them the real you the real self because if you don't how are you going to have a real relationship the one gift i will say that my husband and i had was we started off as friends there wasn't that expectation Granted, the first time he saw me, I was all dolled up and he said that I was out of his league, but we started off as friends and I didn't put any onus on that. We knew how to communicate. We knew how to talk and that made it easy. So put your expectations out there. Be honest about who you are, what you want in your life, because if you're going to get in a relationship, whether it be a business partnership, a friendship, whatever, and this really doesn't align with you, you're going to know. So, on that note, I hope you have a wonderful day, but I got some business to take care of first. So, if you have a question and comment, or you want to be a guest on the podcast, please drop me a line at Donna, D A U N A, at BetterToPodcast.com. That's Donna at BetterToPodcast.com. If you missed an episode, you can catch it at better as well. And all our social media links are there. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And our sound and audio is done by Rich Zai of Third Year Audio Productions. The show has been presented to you in sponsorship with Kitty Mystic and dmneedham.com, which is me. And if you want to check out any of my books, you can do so. There's also the links to my other show on the DM Needham website, which there is the B2 soundtrack of our live show, as well as the B2D2 podcast. So I hope you check them out and I'll catch you next time, guys. Bye. The Better Two Podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Rich Zai of Third Ear Audio Productions.